0: morning God I pray that there would be an overwhelming sense of your presence here today convicting hearts right where we're at for some reason this morning God I feel like there's just a huge spirit of fear in this room and I don't know what it is I don't know why but God I just know that you you know no fear, you only know love. And your word is very clear in that there is no fear in love. Because fear is all about punishment and you're not about punishment, God. You're about love. So today, God, in the name of Jesus, we command that spirit to leave. We command the spirit of confusion Leave because God, you aren't the author of confusion. You are complete. You are everything. You are in order. And so today, God, would you do what only you can do? Because we do truly need you in Jesus' name. Um, I really I have to tell you honestly, I'm fighting this morning, and part of me wants to just do the message, but part of me just wants to throw it out because I have to tell you my heart, you can ask my wife last week was just last Sunday was pretty much hell um, on earth, it seemed like for me and and the the reason why. The reason why is I think we have a heart, a deep, deep heart issue. And I think so much of us, I think every one of us, if we're honest, I think every one of us wants to try to control things. And we want to try to control even, I think when it comes down to it, we even want to control what we allow God to do. And that's kind of funny because God's uncontrollable. You can't control him. And I think even in a deeper level, too, I think we, we want to control the spirit. And the Bible talks about the spirit being something that moves. And, like, it's like, it's a, in one way, it's like chasing after the wind. It's like trying to follow. And I think so many times we're just like, okay, can we, like, find ourselves in this, like, nice, temperature-controlled, environmentally-controlled room so that we can just kind of just slip in there? And I, I think last week it really hit me hard. And it really hit me because my wife challenged me on some things, and I was really mad at her. Um, but even in the challenge that she gave me, and even in challenge that people have have said over the last few weeks, and even as Gail and I have talked just about where kind of we are as a church, it's like we know that right here is a is a decision point, and if we can get as close to that as possible, then we're safe. But we're scared of what it looks like to go beyond that. And a lot of the reasons is because we're scared because we we like control and we don't want to be out of control. And so everything we read about the Spirit and everything we read about when God moves, it, it's like all of a sudden there's no amount of anything that you or I can do. It says it's like a raging river. Like literally what you end up wanting to do is just jump in and let it take you where it goes. And that's, that's really where we're at. And so I was even thinking today, I'm like, okay, so this passage of scripture, and go ahead and throw that up, Heidi. It it says this, it says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So do to others what you would have them do to you. I know for me, this is something I was taught, I mean, really young. I mean, even before I even stepped foot in a church in third grade. Like, this was just a general principle of life that I learned I had no idea that this is what Jesus spoke. I had no, no clue. It's just, at a very young age, I can still remember my kindergarten teacher, um, which is kind of interesting because my kindergarten teacher's daughter actually teaches at Veritas, which is here, and she brought a picture of me in, in kindergarten. It's like, yeah, my mom used to be your kindergarten teacher. I'm like, whoa, that's weird, you know? But it was it was interesting because those principles are taught to us at a very young age. Like, hey, you don't want somebody to hit you, then don't hit them. You know? You don't want somebody to steal from you, then don't go stealing from them. If you don't want something to happen to you, just don't. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Right? And so I think a lot of us, we kind of just, this passage of Scripture has become so familiar to us that we take it out of context. That we take it apart completely from this teaching that Jesus is trying to teach us. And one one guy said this, he said... (coughs) This passage of scripture in in Matthew 5.12 is the bookend to Matthew 5.17. Matthew 5.17 is where it talks about how Jesus came to fulfill the law, right? And he says, like, this is the point where we went into where it says, okay, if we're going to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, then we must, and he goes on and he begins to lay out all these different things. But we kind of labeled it as with our attitudes, with our um, behaviors, with our actions, right? Wait, attitudes, I can't even remember now, attitudes, desires, ambitions, and behaviors. There we go. And we said those are the four things, like as Jesus is talking about this, this is what we see him talking about. And next week, we're going to like completely finish Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to finish up the Sermon on the Mount. And then we're going to move into uh, the crazy season called Christmas. And it's, it's, it's going to be good. But today, we've got we've to understand why Jesus put this scripture right where he put it. Right before he starts talking about this call to discipleship, which we're going to talk about next week, he puts this verse that says, do to others what you would have them do to you. And he, got, he kind of just puts a, a bow tie on the, on the gift that God has given us in the previous three chapters. He said all of this, all that we're talking about, can all be summed up really in this, in this phrase. In the message, it says it this way. It says, here's a simple rule of thumb guide for your behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and profits, and this is what you get. It says, I mean, You look at it. Look at it through all the stuff we've talked about, it, through murder, through, we, through adultery, through our oaths, through um, our possessions, through all the things that Jesus has outlined in the last two and a half chapters, Think of all this in the light of God's law, God's law being fulfilled. He's saying all of this gets summed up in this saying: Do to others what you would have them do to you. And I love the way they put it in the message. He says, and then grab the initiative, okay? Take the initiative and go do it for somebody else. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. Go and do it. So what's really got me thinking this morning is what is it that really I would want someone to do for me? If I was sitting in this room and everything within me is dead, what would I want someone to do for me? And honestly, I'm sitting here going, I don't know. Because here's the thing. I can't do anything for you. But what I can do is this. I can tell you what God has done. And that's all I can do. If we go through that song forever, now I have to tell you, like to me, that is one of probably the most if there, if you can have a song that's anointed. Like to me, that's one of the most anointed songs I think ever penned. I mean, the way it's been put together, the way the music swells and comes down, and all that stuff. I think whoever like put that together, we know who did God did, but then he inspired somebody to write it and they put it on thing and it became this big song, right? But if we can't sit in in the middle of that song and just feel like this thing of going, I'm going to explode, I can't hold this in anymore, if if I don't feel that, then I have to begin to go back and go, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Because that's what's going to happen. Because sooner or later, we're getting really close to something that you and I, we can't afford. And what we're getting really close to is when we see Jesus face to face, what's his response going to be to how we lived our lives? And next week, shoved in this whole call the discipleship thing is, this, to me, the scariest verse in all of Scripture. And we're going to talk about that next week. Of how on the judgment day, the people will come to him, and on that day, they'll look at him and say, Lord, Lord, we did all these great things in your name. The message puts it beautiful. He says, We did all these God projects. We're really busy for you. And Jesus looks at him and says, I don't know you. That to me is the scariest verse in all of Scripture. Especially since the fact of my whole life, my whole reason for existence is to be a pastor, to be someone who's leading the church, and then to go and to go, Why are we doing this? Because. Are we just doing it to do it? Or are we doing it to glorify God? Is God a part of this? Or are we just doing things and saying, God, would you just join here and just kind of, you know, sprinkle your magic dust on it and let it be really successful? Right? I mean, that's that's a lot of the ways that we do things. But Jesus is saying, ask what you want people to do for you and then grab the initiative and do it for them. It's really this is simply this. It's a simple rule of love. Love will cause us to do all kinds of crazy things. Right? Think of when you started, like, dating your your wife, the person next to you, that maybe you're not sitting so close to anymore. You know, like, Joey, you need to leave room for the Holy Spirit there, okay? Um, that's the way it was said to me at one point. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But, um, but you think about this. Some of the craziest things that you and I have done in our lives have been because we were in love with somebody, right? I mean, if I, I, could, I could write a, stu- a book of stupid love. I mean, that's just me. I, just my brain departs, and it doesn't work well, and it, it seems really funny and really cool to me, but in the end, it really doesn't work that way. But like I was reading something this morning, and one of the things it says is like, when's the last time you remembered falling in love? and the process in which your life progressed from that point. You see, that's the same meaning that when Jesus was giving revelation to John in the book of Revelation, and he went to the church in Ephesus, and he says, you've done all these great things, but you've forgotten your first love. Forgotten about him. Well, how do we forget about it? Well, we we, we have knowledge about him, but the knowledge hasn't become this experience anymore. It's been just like, yeah, I remember that one time we did that. Yeah, it was great. But it doesn't bring the butterflies back up. And maybe the reason it doesn't bring the butterflies back up is because we don't think about the journey or the process that that brought us to that point, right? And so we sit here in this relationship, and I think if we were honest, God would look at us just the way he looked at the Ephesian church, and he would go, Where's your love? Where's that first love? Because somewhere, something happened in each and every one of us where this became very methodical. It became very, like, routine. And it was never meant to be that. It was supposed to be this, like, romantic love relationship between you and God and how he continues to move you and shake you and and shape you and he begins to take you and move you to places that you wouldn't have gone on your own and he begins to be the one that provides and he's the one that takes care of you and he's the one that leads you like a good shepherd and he he becomes everything to you i think so many times we've forgotten this we forgot what love is all about the reason why we do the things we do there's a lot of the reasons why we don't do things we do now because we really don't understand love or maybe we really don't love that person. And I think the scary part of that is we're beginning to tread on ground that is very, very scary. Matthew 22, 36 through 39. If you want to pull your, your Bibles out, you can. But this is another verse. If you don't know, like, as a believer, you need to, like, write this down. Write it on your forehead, on your forearm. You know, if you believe in tattoos, whatever you want to do, like, this is something that we need to remember, right? Because it's the, it's the commandment. It's what we're called to do. This lawyer comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And the whole thing was this this guy was trying to corner Jesus. They were trying to look for anything they could get to say he wasn't a prophet or he was false or he was leading people the wrong way. And he goes, Well, all the law and the prophets can be summed up in this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Right? And then he said the second is just as greater. Right? Love your neighbor as what? You love yourself. He says, so there's something about this commandment that should shape and form every part of your life. Now, let me say this. The part at the end of it where it says love your neighbor as you love yourself, that is the same context in which Jesus is writing this, do for others as you would have them do for you. Yeah, do for others what you would have them do for you. It's the same thing. Paul echoed the same thing in in Romans 12, 8 and 10. He said all this can be summed up by just loving your neighbors. But the problem is, is this. Our love... You know, we have a problem with love because we have falsified love so badly in our culture. Because love isn't just... It's very highly an emotional thing. It's very highly a... a uh, Sensory thing is very highly an experiential thing, but it's just as much all those things as much as it is knowing what love is Knowing how much you are loved And so somewhere along the line we forgot and because this experience isn't the same way that it was 10 years ago Now all of a sudden love doesn't seem so real to me All of a sudden the thing that really drove my relationship has become just all about the experience and not about really knowing who he is and and knowing his consistency to continue to love us throughout, over and over, each and every day. And so there's this experience. I I explain it this way. If I would just have stopped experiencing the love with my wife, we would have never lasted 16 years. Because I, I needed to get to know her. But the experience is the thing that started the relationship. But it's when I finally got to know her that I began to love her even more. And I, I, I have to tell you, I declared my love for her on Facebook on our 16th anniversary. Right? Shout to the whole world, I love her. Right? Not that that matters. But I said this. I said, I think I love my wife. Not think. I do. I know this. Okay? Maybe I should rewrite it. Um, more than the first day or the day I said I do. You know why? Because I know every, well, I don't know everything about her. There's still things that confuse me and maze me and all kinds of stuff, but I love her more that day than I ever did back then. Why? Because it wasn't just about the experience, it wasn't about all the things that were around that, but it's about what I've learned about her over the last 16 years that makes me love her even more. What makes me love her so much is her heart just to care and love for people. I don't know anybody else like my wife. She's the most unselfishly loving person I've ever met in my life. I mean, everybody in this room has probably met my wife. Because she's that outgoing with that. That's just who she is. But that's the thing now. like, I mean, I understood it a little bit then. But now I understand it, and it's like the more I can help her put herself in that position just to love people and to be who she is, the more our relationship prospers. But here's the thing I'll tell you. That wasn't always the case. You know why? Because this guy's a little insecure. And in my insecurities, everything I wanted to do was to kind of hold her back. Because at one time, there's this one guy... That said to me, Katie's going to be a great youth pastor someday. And I'm like, I'm the one supposed to be the youth pastor, right? But I took it as like this challenge of like, okay, like she's, I got to make sure instead of going, no, together we could do whatever God wants us to do. If we can see each other and we can just truly love each other. And it wasn't until what, maybe six years ago like on our 10th anniversary, like I literally began to see things and God really began to open things up of how I've kept her from a place of being who she's supposed to be. And I've gotten to watch as she's just come alive and then through that, like I've gotten to come alive and, and now we're at this place where I don't know what God is doing, but God continues to drive me crazy. Because it's like I continue to fight and go, God, what are you wanting to do? Why is this such a struggle? Why is it? And it's literally just keeps coming back to. Are you going to be grateful for what you have? And so here's the thing I'm, I'm trying to do. Okay. Like begin to do for others. What you would have them do for you. Like the more I like continually give out to put my wife in a position that lets her thrive. The more I can do. And this is where I fail miserably. The more I can do that for my kids, and more specifically my older two, Calcutta and Zeke, the more I can speak life into them. The more that they will come alive. But the problem is, for some reason, I'm this glass half-empty person when it comes to them. When it comes to the other two, like I I, I, I have no problem. I think it's just because they're younger and they don't start talking back yet, and they don't get mouth, mal- you know, that part. But the, the fact of the matter is this, it doesn't matter. If I, want to, if, I want them to, if I want them to be who God's created them to be, then I need to do for them what I wish they would do for me. So think about this. If I show respect to my kids, what do I get back in return? Respect. If I show kindness to my kids, what do I get back? Kindness. If I show gratitude towards my kids, what do I get back? Gratitude. I think that's the thing that we get. But here's the thing. This whole golden rule thing is an impossible left to myself rule. If I try to do it on my own, I am going to miserably, miserably fail. Because I can't. Like it's physically impossible for you and I to do this. It's physically impossible for you and I to keep this standard. This is, as one person said, or one commentator said about this verse... This verse is God's straight line. And we can't, here's the thing. How many of you guys have ever tried to to draw a straight line? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. You have a program. You have a pen. Some of you do. Try to, just try to draw a straight line for me real quick. Go ahead. Come on. This is art class now. Okay. Grab a pencil. Grab a pen. Draw a straight line. Okay. Busy, busy bees. Here we go. Some of you don't be jokesters and go, okay? <laughs> okay, straight line. They cheated. All the mathematicians in the room are cheating. They grabbed another piece of paper and made a straight line. Okay? <laughs> you give the rules, okay? I didn't specify the rules. Okay, you have to freehand it, okay? Because that's kind of how we live life. We freehand it, all right? We don't go and we don't take the straightest thing we can find and make a line. But here's the thing I want to say. Some of you do, and that maybe that's the reason you need to loosen up a little bit, okay? But anyways, but here's what I want to say. If we took that, and we would look at that and go, that's, that's what my life is like. And, that, and then God would come in and put a ruler towards it. How good would our line look? <laughs> as good as God's, okay? Because I used the ruler too, okay? No, but it wouldn't look very good. It wouldn't. Because on our own, we kind of just, we do our own thing. We can't keep from one point to the other point and keep it as straight as can be. There's always going to be a little jag here. There's going to be a little bend here. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're meant to live on this straight edge. One person stated the golden rule this way. The golden rule is God's straight edge. It's like, this is what he measures. This is how he sees our lives supposed to be lived. And he puts it on this straight edge. And so how well do you and I do at loving other people? I would say this. It has a lot to do with how you love God. It has everything to do with that relationship. Because he's the one that points us in true north. He's the one that puts us in the right direction and heads us in the right path so that we can be the people he's called us to be. But if that is off, everything else is off you see this whole idea of the golden rule really came about like 200 years after jesus's death and there was this emperor in rome that he literally had the golden he called it the golden rule okay the the, the text existed but it was labeled the golden rule at that point and it, he had it literally um I don't know how they even said it, like engraved or whatever, and then filled in with gold on his walls. And I think for some of us, that's kind of the way we live it out too, is it's really easy to put it up on our wall and have this motivational scripture that we walk out of the house with every day, but we don't take it with us. We don't begin to put it into practice. We don't begin to be the people that we're supposed to be. And a lot of the reasons is is because the first part of it is missing, and the first part of it is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We don't have this idea of loving our neighbor as ourselves, And a lot of the reasons why we don't love our neighbor is because we really don't love who we see in the mirror. And I have to tell you, I'm so excited for what God has in this next year because we're going we're gonna to hit our identity again. You're like, we've already talked about it. Yep, we're going to hit it again because we don't get it, okay? But I think there's a bigger piece to this. We're going to hit God's presence because if we understand and we're aware of his presence, then we begin to understand our identity so much clearer. And then if, once we understand that, then the calling, the, the calling that you and I have to love well just becomes everything. And here's the thing. So God didn't give us just this rule to go, hey, go ahead, and have at it, we'll see how well you do. No, he gave us Christ. So this rule, this golden rule is possible, is a possible in Christ rule. Go back to our series, Who Do You Think You Are?, We learned a lot about our identity there. We learned a lot about what it means to be in Christ. And a lot of us have kind of just continued to just do this. Okay, here I am. Here's Christ. So I'm just going to continue when I need to. I'm going to step in here. And then when I'm on to, I'll step out of here. And then I'll go back to here. And then sometimes I'll get lost and can't find where it is. Oh, there it is again. And then I'll step back into it. And we wonder why our lives are like that all the time. Well, because we're not content to sit right here in Christ. So the thing I'm understanding more and more about my heart of, like, being more grateful. Who had my prayer request this week? Thank you, you better pray for me. Um, But my number one thing is I'd be more grateful. You know the sad part is? Where that needs to start is being grateful for what Christ did for me. If there's one thing I would say about our generation, I don't think our our generation truly understands how much Christ did for us. And hasn't truly sat in the weight of what he did to give us the freedom that we have. I think we've become very experiential, which I love, but I think once experience and knowledge come together, then it's like this powerful thing that can never be stopped. I think we've like experienced Christ forgiving us, but yet we, we haven't really learned about what he did and why he did it for us. We haven't taken the time to understand how it all fell apart and how God, through his miraculous plan, began to put all the pieces back into place so that he could send Christ to this earth to, die for, to be born in a manger. Okay? We're going to be talking about this in a couple weeks. Be born in a manger and then die on a cross. Okay, And then rise again from the dead. And then give us the Holy Spirit so that Christ can be inside us. So he can live inside of us and give us the power that only comes through his Holy Spirit. You see, when we, when we find ourselves in Christ, then we are found in a place where we, where we know who we are and the power that we have. And I think so many times we forget that. And that's the reason why we're hopping in and out of who we are. And that's the reason why at times we're more grateful than we are at other times. That's why more times we find ourselves can be really forgiving to somebody else, but yet then there's other times where you hate their guts and you want them to be banished from this earth, right? Because that's the way it's kind of we are. But if we can find ourselves being in this place of contentment where it looks like and goes, everything I have is in Christ and everything that I have, I have because of Christ. Then we begin to look at things and going, man, I... I'm just as guilty as the murderer. Or I'm just as guilty as the adulterer. And I'm just as guilty. But because of Christ, I receive forgiveness from all of that. So I can't sit here and not love my neighbor. Because I've been completely loved in Christ. And I haven't just been completely loved. But I've been given the power by the Holy Spirit to give that love away to others. And I think we miss that. You see, we can love others as we love ourselves because God loved us. His love is so, so big that you and I, I don't think, can ever begin to wrap our hands or wrap our heads around it. When you entered into this relationship, for me, it was in third grade. There's different times in my life over this journey of, I don't even know how many years, so figure out the math, I'm 37, but when I was in third grade, experiencing the love of Christ for the first time, my grandma brought me to church, and when my grandma brought me to church, I heard something that grabbed a hold of my heart as a little third third grader, and I watched as God began to take my life on a completely different journey throughout the rest of that that time, and I remember in 10th grade sitting in in a church and in a pews much like this, and I remember God putting a call on my life that was, I couldn't deny it, Because literally I'm sitting in my seat just trembling. Because I knew what God was asking of me. I have to tell you, like, when that happened in my life, there was nothing after that point that even tried to, not tried, there's nothing that could take me away from what God had called me to do. There's nothing. Because that was so real. But here's the thing I want to tell you. No matter how big that time was, there's still things about God that I still don't understand. And there's still things that I'm continuing to learn. And one of the biggest things is is trying to figure out and try to understand his love. And here's the thing. Paul prayed for us. He said, may they understand the height. May they understand the depth. May they understand the width of your love. Why? Because it's so immense. Yet you and I, we stop trying to learn because we feel like, oh, we've got what we need right now. And maybe you do. But what you have for right now will be gone tomorrow and then you need something else for the next day and the next day and the next day and so that's why we continue to come back to his word. We continue to come back to those times with him so that when we get in seasons where we get in times where we have this time to express who God is and how much he's done in our lives then everything within us is just bubbling up to the point where we can't hold it in any longer and our worship and worship with singing but our worship of singing becomes so much different and so much more alive. Here's just the thing I know. If there's anything that people that are far from God, whose lives seem meaningless and hopeless, want to see is people who are fully alive. And what did Jesus promise? He promised to come and give us a life that is what? Full. But he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I sent a really hard text this week. I kind of did for others what I wish they would do for me. And I have a really um, person I respect immensely. That is just, he's went down a road that I would have, it's one of those people that you look at and you go, if it can happen to them, it can happen to anybody. And I, we got some news this week and some things were going to be final in the week to come and it breaks our heart because we're super close to them. We respected him totally. And I, I told Katie, I woke up was it Tuesday? I woke up at like 5 in the morning and this guy was on my heart. And I didn't know what to do. And so then my wife, my loving wife goes, well, you gotta do something, right? Are you gonna send him a text? Are you gonna call him? Are you gonna, what are you gonna do? Because I had to do something. And so I, I knew he wouldn't answer the phone. Um, and he didn't answer my text either, but I know he read it because it came to his phone. But in this, I just said, I don't know. I said, when I came this summer, we got to hang out with him this summer. I said, I came because one of the things I wanted to do is just tell you how much I respect who you are. And then one of the things that Gail and I wanted to do was invite him to come and and spend some time with our, our leaders of our church. Because he's a lay leader that did a lot of things. He was an elder at the church we were at before. And he was a head elder for years and I, I, I just said to him, I said, I didn't get a chance to, to tell you how much I respect you and that I was wanting you to come and, you know, just speak some life into people. And I said to him, I said, it's, t- it's time to stop. It's time to turn from what you're doing and it's time to come back to, to Christ and what Christ has done for you. You know it. And then the message, I, was, I mean, I was very blunt and it was hard because it's like one of those older guys that you really respect, you know? And so like saying some harsh things or saying some very truthful things to him was like, he's going to hate me. And then I'm sitting there going, I don't know if he'll ever talk to me again, so it doesn't matter, you know? So, but the truth of the matter is this. It's the very thing I would want one of my good friends or someone that respected me to do if I was heading down the same path. Because I think it would cause me to stop and go, what am I doing? So today, here's what, here's what I'm going to say to you. I hope today is that day for a lot of you. Because if I could put our church on the alive scale, uh, I don't know how high I could put it. And you say, well, how do you measure that? Well, I think I measure it a lot with smiles and joy. Right? One of the best quotes I ever heard was a guy, he said... We look for all these metrics to measure church growth, right? And we look, and the normal places we look is um, bucks and butts, right? Money and seats, people sitting in seats. And this guy said, he goes, maybe the thing we've been missing for the longest time is Jesus said, um, like, joy is the thing that we should be measuring the church by. And he uses this passage, he says, the joy of the Lord is my what? strength. So if something is strong, then what should be the, the thing that you see coming from it? Joy. And so today, here's here's my challenge, and this was kind of all hopefully making sense, and we're moving. Guys, if you want to come. Where are you at in your relationship with Him? Are you at the very beginning? Are you many, many years into it, and if God was to come and look at you, he would maybe look at you and say, you've forgotten your first love. And maybe it's time to get back to that place of going, God, help me remember the first time I fell in love with you. But don't leave me there. Help me to know you more and more and more. Because if you're going to do for others what you wish somebody would do for you, then that relationship with him has to be in the right place, And you have to find yourself in Christ because in Christ is a place that you receive the power to do things that you could not do on your own. Some of you have been struggling with how do I forgive somebody? How do you forgive somebody? You find yourself right in that place where Christ is at in Christ so that you have the power of his Holy Spirit to go and do the very thing that he has equipped you to do and that's for forgive. And the only reason you can forgive is because you've been what? Forgiven. So what does this mean? Is this an impossible rule? No. Is it very hard? Yes, it is. And it's even harder when we choose to do it without him. Because when we do it without him, then we kind of make it an option. If I want to love others, then I can love them. If I want to treat somebody with disrespect, then I'll treat them with disrespect. But guess what you're going to get back? Disrespect. But today, it's time to say, okay, God, where is this relationship with you? Because I know that the outflow, it's the very thing, and this is what Gail and I talked about last, this week. It's hilarious because everything keeps coming back to this one phrase that we coined in the middle of this. What's in you always comes out of you, shapes the world around you. It's all about the heart. My heart, your heart. Does God have it all? Because if he doesn't, it needs to be a place where we come and we repent and we remember and then we we change the direction. We say, God, I'm sorry. Don't know how I got here, but I got here. And thank you that you're still there. Because as we learned last week, ask, seek, knock. There's something about his presence. There's something about him being near even to the broken even to the people that are far from him, he's still right there waiting for us to turn and knock. He's the one doing the knocking many times and he's just waiting for you and I to answer the door and let him in. But yet we've crowded it out. We've allowed the noise in the room to get so loud that we missed the knocking. And Jesus is offering this chance to you and I today to say, come, remain in me, be in me and receive the power that I have for you to be the person that you're called to be, to be the one that goes and does for others what you wish somebody would have done for you. And so this morning, what I want to do for you is to say this. Wake up. Wake up, please. Because there's a lot of people that are coming in dead and they're looking for something alive and they're walking out unfulfilled. A lot of the reason is, is because the people that they're watching, that are quote unquote Christ followers, are just as dead and look just like them. And so Christ today is looking at you and I, saying, "Come awake, come awake in my love, and watch what I'll do as you submit your life and you give it all over to me." What are we afraid of? he's good. There's nowhere in the scripture that says he's mean and ugly. He's really good and he's really faithful. And I could tell you story after story after story of what he's done in my life. And there's many people in here that could tell you story after story of what he's done in their life. But you know what? Until he, until you've experienced, a lot of us don't believe it. But he wants you to experience it today. So Father, today in these just next few moments that we have, Can we just quiet our hearts before you and just really, God, ask, have I lost my first love? Have I been walking around as a dead person? Masquerading as someone who's alive, but really on the inside, I'm dying. God, because your word is very clear that if we're to do for others what we wish we'd do for them, then God, we need something. That's worth living for, and God, you are that. So today, God, would you challenge us? Would you speak to our hearts, and would you do something big in the lives of each and every person in this room?